Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to have you here. Glad uh, for those of you gathered here in the room, those of you joining us online, we're glad that, that you're with us. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that that's true, that the Lord is with us. And we just need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. So little exchanges like that are like, yeah, you know what? The Lord, the Lord is with us. And uh, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we have moments like this to be reminded that we're not just on our own in this life, that God is with us, that he is for us, that he is guiding us, strengthening us, all the rest. So uh, if that's what you're hoping for today, uh, you're in the right place, all right? If you're hoping to be reminded of God's love and God's grace, God's goodness, uh, that's what we're here for. Um, let's, um, let's bow our heads for a moment. Let's pray as we begin. Thank you, God. Uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to, to sing to you and to pray to you and to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures and, and to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, God, we're grateful for all of it, uh, especially because this is a chance for us to connect with you, the God who made us and loves us, the, the God who has uh, never left us for a single moment uh, throughout our entire lives. Uh, God, you know that sometimes we haven't felt that. Um, maybe because we've wandered off and done our own thing, or maybe we've just been going through a really difficult time, and it's easy, God, for us to forget your presence, to forget your faithful love. And so today, I pray that you would kind of break through some of the walls we build up around our hearts, that you would uh, speak to us clearly, uh, <clears throat> that you would help us to know, not just in our heads, but help us to know kind of in our, in our bodies or something, help us to know that you are with us, help us to know that you love us, Help us to experience your grace, your goodness, your peace, your joy. Thank you, God. Uh, we are grateful once again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, today is a little bit of a special treat. Um, not, not only do we have the, the Svelbars plus Dave with us this morning, but this is our last time for a little while to have Miles on drums because he leaves for college this Saturday. So, Miles, we are thankful for you to be here today. And, uh, and, and I'm sure that the additional attention is not going to make you mess up anything this morning. So, if you're, if you're interested in Abel, let's stand and let's sing.
from uh, Psalms, the 103rd Psalm, actually, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles.
continue in that prayer. Lord, we do bless you, Lord. With all that is within us, we bless you this morning. We praise you and we give you thanks, Father, for all that you've done, for all of your blessings. Lord, we praise you just because you are who you are. We thank you this morning, Father. We thank you for the, the good things that we have experienced this week. We thank you for the blessings that are just abundant and overflowing in our lives. For new life, Lord, for new jobs, for new relationships, whatever it may be, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you honor and glory and blessing. Lord, we also thank you in the midst of some of the hard things that we have gone through this week, for some of the challenges that we have faced, for the, the stresses and the stressors that we are just walking through right now because life is, is. But Lord, we know that you are in it. We know that you are with us. We know that you are before us and behind us and beside us. We know that there's nothing happening in our lives that is beyond your control. There's nothing happening in our lives that you aren't already aware of and working in it and through it. And Lord, in spite of it sometimes. So we thank you again, Father. We thank you for your working in our lives. No matter what it may look like right now, Lord, we know that you are are at the end of whatever it is we face. And you are not going to leave us or forsake us along the way. You're not going to leave us or forsake us at the end. You've been with us from the beginning, with us now, and will always be with us. We thank you, Father, for that sweet assurance that we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear what's happening right now in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of anything because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not fear. Father, I thank you for each person gathered here this morning. I thank you for each person that is joining us online, either now or later. Lord, that they would receive a blessing of your spirit, of your presence right now. That they would know that they have had an, account, an, an encounter with you, Lord, this morning. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings us your word. Anoint him especially this morning, Lord. We are so thankful for the way you speak through him to us. So may we be ready to receive the message that you have for us, whether it be a message of encouragement, a message of correction, 
a message of hope or a message of, of correction. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise and the glory because you alone are worthy. And as we pray these things in your name, amen and amen. Well, now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. As you're wrapping things up, I'm going to talk to the folks watching online for just a second. We're glad that you're with us and uh, glad you joined us today. Because we didn't get to shake your hand just now, if you could go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, fill out that little digital connect card, we would love to connect with you and pray for you or thank God with you or answer any questions you might have, whatever that might be. Uh, or you could leave a comment there if you're on, on Facebook or YouTube and... Uh, We'll do our best to get back to you, but sometimes we miss those. So if you want to make sure your message gets to us, go to livinghope.info slash connect, and uh, that way we can follow up with you later this week. Um, for all of you here in the room, you could do that same thing if you'd like, or in the back, there's a little table back there that uh, besides holding Wanda's coffee also has some little green cards, and uh, you can jot a note on one of those if you'd like and drop it in the offering box. There's a box back there. If you're giving today, you can drop that in the box, uh, or you can give online. Either of those work. And uh, before we get to like the, uh, the other announcement type stuff on here, uh, I wanted to let you guys know, we just stuck it on Facebook yesterday, so some of you saw the picture already, but uh, oh man, uh, Pastor Judy, they handed the baby off to, off to you? Wow. All right. So over, sitting over here, uh, you can see Pastor Judy's holding them up right now. This is baby Lucas, just born this past Monday. Ryan and Allison here. Congratulations, guys. Yeah. So, and, uh, and Ryan and Allison uh, are in need of some baby stuff. So they've got some of it, uh, but, uh, but if you want to help them, uh, we weren't able to do like a, a baby shower. By the time we met them, they were, you know, she was ready to pop. So... Um, <laughs> If you want to help them after the fact with things like diapers and all wipes and diapers and wipes and diapers and wipes and all the other stuff that they're going to need, um, if you'd like to today, you can just you could put some cash in an envelope and just write baby on the outside or something like that. If you drop it in the offering box, we'll collect it all. We'll make sure it gets to them. Or you can just do the little handshake thing, you know, and slip them cash if you want. Or if you want to do anything like that to help them out, that would be a um, much appreciated on their part. So and. Uh, and don't assume that you all get to hold uh, Lucas, okay? <laughs> just because they let Pastor Judy hold him doesn't mean they're going to let all of you hold him. So just uh, a quick word for any of you who it's been a while since you were a mom or somebody else, you never, like me, you never were a mom. And I'm told that that's a bad thing. You don't just grab babies, right? You, 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 okay, yeah, you don't just touch them, you don't just pet them. Just, okay, all right. I'm told that's a no-no. All right. Uh, so <clears throat> other things that I just want to let you know, this Saturday, real quick, is going to be our uh, bike giveaway uh, out there, um, 9 to noon, out in the parking lot. If you have a bike that you want to donate, or if you know someone who needs a bike, um, uh, this is the, the International Order of Oddfellows, are the ones that actually receive them and give them away. And I just heard a great story this morning, uh, somebody who's, uh, was it a nephew? Was it a, I'm trying to remember now who it was grandson. Their grandson uh, was a young teenager and had, and had had a bike accident and was afraid of riding bikes and stuff. And, and uh, they wanted to get him a bike for his birthday. And, uh, but they said, yeah, but first we're going to bring you out here to the bike voice. Just let you, you know, we'll get you one for free and you can ride it. If you learn to ride and if you like it, great. And then we'll buy you one, you know, and we can just return that one. And um, this kid liked the bike he picked up for free so much he doesn't want him to buy him new one. He just wants that one. So, uh, so it's, it's not like garbage bikes that they're giving away, okay? So if, uh, if you have a bike to donate or you know someone who needs a bike um, this Saturday, 9 to noon, it's probably going to be the last time this year that they're set up out in our parking lot. Uh, they usually do it like once a month through the summer. And then, um, and then also uh, <laughs> a little bit of a scheduling mix-up, uh, but we're saving it, I think. So... Uh, you know, how today is supposed to be breakfast in between the services. There still will be, if you're thinking like, oh no, what's wrong? There's still going to be breakfast between the services, but it's not going to be the one made by Howard and the guys because Howard got mixed up and was thinking it was next week. So next week, we're going to have that big hot breakfast that Howard and the guys make and serve. Uh, this week, I don't know, they, it's like donuts and yogurt parfaits, and I'm not, they're, they're putting stuff together in the kitchen right now because uh, we know some of you are like, coming hungry, like, because there's breakfast, right? So there still will be breakfast this morning between the services and then again next week. So I guess um, double the fun or something? I don't know. I don't know. 
My, my trying to think of a word just then reminded me of, uh, of Pastor Judy's prayer uh, before, after the music and before we, I get up here. And, and uh, I always feel a little weird when she's praying for me that God would, you know, anoint me and bless me and speak through me and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, sure. I mean, anybody that's going to stand up here, hopefully God is speaking through them, whether it's me or Pastor Judy or anyone else. Um, I don't know that there's any special anything, you know, for me, being up here, it's God speaks through whoever uh, brings his word. But then, then this morning, talking about whether it's a word of, uh, of hope or correction or, or something else or correction. And I think she's needing correction today. I'm not sure. But um, I don't think so. I don't, this is not today's, today's word. We're, we're looking at Jesus today. All right. And um, we're making our way through the Bible this year from Genesis back in January to uh, Revelation in December. And this month, we're looking at the gospel according to Matthew. we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four tell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And today, uh, appropriately, with school about to start uh, for so many uh, this week, uh, we're looking at the aspect of Jesus being a teacher, all right, and on how Jesus taught people and what we're supposed to be learning from him. And obviously, I can't cover all of that in one message. If you can read the Gospel of Matthew this month, you'll see there's so many different things that Jesus has to teach us. We can spend a lifetime learning from him. Um, but last week, we looked at this one little summary statement I put at the top of your notes, and I think will be on the screen from Matthew chapter 4, where it talked about what Jesus did during his life. So Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And, and Matthew does that again in chapter 9. says those same three things. Teaching people and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing diseases and sicknesses. And, and so that's going to kind of uh, shape the next, today and the next two Sundays. As we make our way through the gospel of Matthew. Today is Jesus teaching. Um, Matthew is trying to help us see that Jesus is like a new Moses. You know, Moses was the great teacher. The great lawgiver of the Old Testament. That we spent so much time in earlier this year. And Jesus comes as like a new Moses, a new teacher, to inaugurate this new covenant with the people. And the next week, we'll look at this idea of him uh, healing diseases and sicknesses and what Jesus did, all these miracles that he did, as uh, Matthew also wants us to see that Jesus is God with us. He says that right in the, in the first couple chapters. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And, and so when God shows up on the scene, things, things change. And then that, that next week will be uh, him proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Uh, the first line of Matthew's gospel is about Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed king. He's the one who's come and, uh, and at the end of the gospel is enthroned in an unusual way. Uh, so, <clears throat> so today we're looking at Jesus as a teacher. And I'm guessing some of you had a favorite teacher growing up uh, or a memorable teacher at least. Some of you, are you thinking back over teachers you've had or professors you've had, people who had a, had a big impact on you? And I, I'm guessing if we uh, took the time, the rest of the service, to just share stories, each of you probably could come up with a story of some teacher who had an impact on you, some teacher that uh, maybe it was positive, maybe it was negative, you know, because teachers can have a huge impact on us, can't they? Um, teachers, coaches, those who, who lead us when we're young, you know, they, they say things that can inspire us, can help us to see ourselves and our lives as full of possibility, or they can say things, frankly, that like cause us to diminish our sense of who we are. And, uh, and some of you, that's your most memorable teacher is that one that you hated because they always seemed to have it out for you and they never did seem to think you could amount to much, and, and that has stuck with you, unfortunately. So one of the things that Jesus does, he comes as a teacher to help us imagine the way life can be in this new kingdom, in this new, with God as king, with God setting up his rule here and now, what could life be like? Who could we become? Jesus wants to teach us um, to imagine things differently and to actually live differently. So we ended last week uh, with these verses at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And um, again, it's a little bit like Moses went up on the mountain and received the law from God and gave it to the people. Now Jesus is up on a mountain and he's proclaiming, he's teaching the people, and, um, and that starts what we usually call the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's one of five blocks of Jesus' teaching throughout the Gospel of Matthew, and it is amazing. Um, he, uh, he focuses right in, right from the beginning, about who is blessed, and it's not who you'd expect. You know, we kind of think that the people in this world who are, you know, hashtag blessed are the people with all the stuff and all the, you know, the perfect bodies and the perfect families, and, you know, they're the ones, that, they're the influencers, right, on, on Instagram or wherever app people are using. I don't know. Uh, they're the people that we think, oh, they're the blessed. They're the rich, the famous, the, the ones doing well. And Jesus comes and says, no, no, blessed are those who are, who are hungry and thirsty for justice. Blessed are those who are mourning. Blessed are the meek. 
Blessed are those who are, frankly, on the underside of life because God will lift them up. God will, will fulfill their need. God will comfort them in their grief. He's, he's saying that we should think of ourselves differently than the world teaches us to think of ourselves and, and the people around us, too. And then um, pretty soon he comes to this, this important line in verse 17 where he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. And the law and the prophets is a way of referring to these big two. The law is those five books of Moses that we looked at in the first five months this year. The prophets is most of the rest of the Old Testament. And then uh, there are the law, the prophets, and the writings. Or sometimes they say like the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Um, and so those are the three sections of the Old Testament as uh, the Hebrew people uh, imagined it. As they, that's how they organized it. And so Jesus is saying, don't think I came to abolish all that. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, and so he begins to do that in this teaching. He begins to say, look, these, what you've read, what you've heard, these laws, you've thought of them one way, and I'm not getting rid of them, but I'm helping you to reimagine them. I'm helping you to see the, the meaning that they're full of that maybe you've missed. He is one of those teachers that helps you see things differently and inspires you to think, wow, I could actually, I could actually do well in this course. You know? I could actually learn this. This is actually interesting. And, uh, and he uses all sorts of different ways to, to teach. But uh, in this section, uh, numerous times, he, he does this pattern. Uh, he says, you have heard it was said. And he quotes something from the law. This is his way of fulfilling it, of helping us to understand its meaning. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Makes sense, right? Don't go around killing people, of course. But I tell you, so this, this is the pattern. You've heard that it was said but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus, he doesn't get rid of the do not murder, but he says the point isn't just to not kill each other. The point is like that you live at peace with each other and that you build each other up. And, and if you harbor anger in your heart towards someone, this is the big thing for Jesus. He says this on numerous times. He uses that image of a tree that I think we mentioned last week, um, that a good tree produces good fruit. He says, what's going on inside of you is going to come out in your actions. And so it's not enough to just, like, be full of seething rage, but, hey, I bet at least I didn't kill him. Like, no, no, Jesus says, if you're harboring anger toward, toward someone, you're, you'll be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And raka is just this term of contempt that, in their language, right? Um, but, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus is saying, these words that come out of your mouth that are showing what's in your heart, these matter. Uh, yeah, I, I clicked on the little link next to Raqqa when I was reading this on, on my computer. Or if you've got a Bible with a little footnote, it probably says like a, a term of contempt in Aramaic. And I was thinking about terms of contempt that we use today. Um, <clears throat> like when you're in traffic and something goes wrong or they cut you off or whatever. Whatever that word is that you say that you yell toward them, that's what he's talking about, okay? <laughs> um, Whatever goes in that blank, and um, which had me thinking about a time when, when, when we were kids, we used to travel every Christmas out to southwest Kansas, where my dad grew up on a farm, and uh, so there was lots of time spent driving. Uh, we weren't, like, we didn't do a lot of flying, we didn't, especially because you can't fly out to that farm. Um, so hours in the car spent driving, and I don't remember when along the way this happened. I, maybe she'll remember. My mom was the one driving. We were in the car, and all I remember is something went wrong. I don't remember any of the details. I don't remember if it was icy and we started to lose control or someone in front of us was spinning out. I don't remember what was happening. All I know is one of those moments where things are going to start coming out of your mouth as the driver, and my mom is driving. And some of you know my mom, right? Uh, Ruth Ann, she's out back there with the kids right now. Sweetest woman you ever could meet, you know. Um, and that was proved by what came out of her mouth, all right? Some of you are thinking, ooh, what'd she say? I can't wait, you know. Uh, what came out of her mouth as she was holding, as her grip tightened on the steering wheel and her foot started to hit the brake was, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Isn't that great? Man, I can't believe that. Uh, that's what was going on inside of her. So that's what came out of her mouth. All right. Uh, I've been following Jesus for most of my 48 years. Help me, Jesus has never been what's come out of my mouth in, in those moments. All right. Uh, I've still got work to do. Um, but that's what Jesus is saying. Like what goes on inside of us matters. And so he said, you've heard that it was said you know, here's the law, and, you've, and so you've understood that to mean like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what goes on inside as long as my outside's clean, and he's like, no, no, 
What goes on inside of you matters. And he says that about numerous things. Adultery. You know, can't commit adultery. But I say, and there might have been some of them that perked up at that point. Hmm, oh, is that okay now? And like, no, no. What I say is, you know, even looking at a woman lustfully, you know, like you're desiring to have sex with her and she's not your wife. And like, you're already committing adultery in your heart. He's like, this matters what goes on inside of you. And it does matter what comes out of your mouth because that's a sign of what's going on inside of you. Oh, so after that, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar... So again, he's imagining someone has made the journey to Jerusalem, to the temple, which is probably a multi-day, you know, maybe multi-week journey from wherever they live. They've made their way. It's a festival time, perhaps. They're in Jerusalem. They've, they brought their animal, and they're there. They've waited in the big, long line. Finally, it's their turn at the altar. And he says, you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you? Just leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. I'm guessing this surprised a few folks in his audience that day, all right? Because uh, Jesus, he's, he's kind of operating like a rabbi. He's there to teach them, you know, what God expects of you. And for most of us, I think, you know, if you think, well, what's the most important thing, right? Well, it's that you get your relationship right with God. Okay. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus all the time has he said, oh, yeah, that's important. And in fact, when he's asked what's the most important command, he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't just quote the one like, yeah, that's most important. He makes sure to include love your neighbor as yourself right in there with it. And so he seems to say, and, and if you read Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, if you look at most of what Jesus teaches, most of what he teaches isn't about like, here's how you act toward God. Most of what he teaches is here's how you act toward your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your enemy. Because he knows that how you act toward other people, he said, this is, it's all wrapped up with your relationship with God. You cannot separate the two. You can't walk through life thinking, me and God are good. I mean, everyone else is a jerk, you know, but uh, I hate all my neighbors and stuff. But, but me and God, you know, we're good. I'm going to heaven someday when I die. I know that, but, man, I can't stand any of the people around me. Jesus says, no, no, that's, that's not how it works. If, you're, if your relationships are messed up and you're, you're there, some of you maybe today, you're like, you're like, hi, I finally made it to church. And, uh, and what Jesus would be saying to you is like, so you finally make it to church and you're there and everything's going and you remember, oh, man. I still got to make things right with them. Jesus is saying, you just let the, let the preacher talk for a while while you pull out your phone and you text them and say, hey, we need to talk later this afternoon. All right, we got some stuff to deal with. I, I've got an apology I need to make. You know, so if I see you pulling your phone out, I'm just going to assume that's what you're doing. All right, the rest of the service. I'm going to assume that you're doing what Jesus said. You're, you're trying to get reconciled with someone that you know the relationship is messed up. Because Jesus says that is important. In fact, important enough that you can just leave your gift, take care of that first, and then come back and offer that gift on the altar. A little bit later, I uh, didn't have room to squeeze this in there, but when Jesus teaches them how to pray and teaches them the Lord's Prayer, which we'll say later, you know, our Father who art in heaven, all of that, after he teaches them, you know, in there is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's what he's talking about. He's saying these things are linked. So if you, and he follows it up. After he teaches them that prayer, he says, if you don't forgive your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, then God won't forgive you. That's how important this is to Jesus. Jesus, the teacher, is telling us loving your neighbor is just as essential as loving God, that you cannot separate the two. A lot of people, if you need a visual to help you remember, just think about the cross, right? You've got the, the up-down between you and God, and you've got the, the horizontal between you and your neighbors. These things go together. You cannot have one without the other, at least not the way Jesus teaches us to think about life. That's why a little bit later he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. All right, so again, it's not just, this isn't just like more commands. You know, Moses gave you commands. I'm going to give you some more commands. His goal is that we would look like our Heavenly Father, that our lives would be changed to be the kind of people he created us to be, that we can look like God's kids. It says, your father in heaven, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If God loves indiscriminately, you must love indiscriminately. You can't say, oh, I'm going to love this person, but not that person. Not if you're going to be your father's child. And uh, if you struggle with that, we talk about this every now and then because this is a, so difficult for us. Uh, if you struggle with loving your enemies, then perhaps do that next one that he says first, and pray for those who persecute you. Spend some time just talking to God about them 
and see if God doesn't change your heart over time to where you find yourself able to finally love them. Again, not just loving on the inside, but that's going to come out in actions, doing loving things for your enemies. I mean, Jesus goes on to talk about that, right? The whole turn the other cheek, and, uh, and if they demand that you walk one mile carrying their pack, you go ahead and walk two. If they, if they demand your, your cloak, just give them, give them your tunic too, you know. Give them all your clothes, basically, is what he says. Um, you overwhelm them with your generosity. Find ways to love even your enemies. And at the very end of this whole big, long block of teaching, which probably wasn't the only time Jesus said this, he probably said these things over and over and over again um, in all kinds of different settings. But as he gets to the end of what Matthew has collected for us here, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, oh, they listened, they showed up, they even put their phone down for a while. They even took notes. They even jotted some notes down to remember, you know, what, what was said on Sunday morning. Uh, they listened, but they didn't put it into practice. He said, that's like a foolish man who built this house just on the surface, just on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. He says, life is going to toss some bad stuff your way. And if you have built your life wisely, then you've heard what Jesus says and done it. So that's like having a solid house that won't crash when the storms come. But if you just listen and you don't do anything with it, you walk out saying, oh, that was a good message, and then you don't actually love your enemy, you don't actually you know, work on reducing the anger that you hold in your heart towards someone, you don't, you don't actually leave and think, ah, oh, I do need to change the things I'm looking at and the way I'm looking at them. and I need to work on the inside of me you don't do anything with it, that's a life that when the bad things come, it's just going to collapse. And Jesus doesn't want that. That's why he spends so much time teaching us. That says when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So they had people who would teach them the law, who would say, this is what the law says, and this is what you do with it. But Jesus comes along as one with authority. He's, He's got He's, well, because he's the author, right? I mean, he's, he's got authority because he is the author of the law. He is God in the flesh. He's the Son of God present among us. And so he's able to say, well, this is what I meant when I told Moses that. I didn't mean just don't kill people. I meant, you know, like don't harbor anger in your heart. It's bigger than that. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite things I used to do. I don't do this at all anymore. It used to be when, I, when a new movie came out and I, I would get the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever. Uh, I originally did the DVDs and I'm cheap, so I'd get them from the library. Or when I'd get them from Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'd sit down and I'd watch a movie and I would love watching them on DVD because a lot of times after you'd watch the movie, then there's the special features and there's like the director's commentary. Any of you enjoy doing that sometimes with a movie? You're like, oh, I can, I can watch the whole movie again, but with people talking over it. <laughs> but it's the director and sometimes some of the actors, and they're talking about why they did this or why they, you know, worked with this way or why they portrayed the scene that way. And it was like giving you insight into this amazing work of art you've just enjoyed. And I kind of feel like that's what Jesus is doing here. It's like he's giving us the, the author's commentary. He's got authority to say, this is what the law is about. This is what it really means. And yes, you've had teachers who've been doing their best to, to help you understand it, but you know they haven't always gotten it right. They told you you could love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies. So Jesus has this authority that is recognizable by the people who hear him share this. And, and again, it's not, it's not harsh. It's not heavy. In fact, Jesus himself says a couple chapters later, in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That image of a yoke, you know, is that image of like back in the day before you had the tractors, and way before the tractors with the GPS that you just kind of set and they just do all this. Anyway, they had to hook up, you know, a mule or an oxen or an animal to a plow and walk behind them and that yoke is that piece that fits over the animal's neck that then is connected to the rest, right? And so he's saying this yoke is, 
is appropriate for you. It's not ill-fitting. Learn from me. I've heard that a, a bunch of times, all right, growing up. Growing up in the church, uh, hearing that, yep, and so God's got the appropriate thing for you. Don't worry. It's not going to weigh you down. He's with you. It was much later that I learned this is also a phrase that rabbis would use, this idea of it being a yoke, to talk about their interpretation of the scriptures. And so his yoke is Jesus' kind of take on the law. And what he's saying is, okay, learn from me how to understand what God has said. Learn from me how to understand these commands and what's important. And he's saying, it's not complicated. He's saying, you'll find rest. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. I'm not weighing you down with 600 and something commands you have to memorize. It's easy. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let God change you from the inside out so that you live a life where you're doing for other people what you'd have them do for you. Jesus said when he gave us that one, the golden rule, do for others what you'd have them do for you. Sorry, I didn't have room to squeeze that one in here either. He says, this sums up the law and the prophets. So this, this is what you have to remember. Just do for others what you'd have them do for you. His yoke is easy. Jesus is the one who wants us to understand from him how to understand the Bible, how to understand God's laws, God's expectations for us. Now, one thing he did, as you read through Matthew, you'll see over and over again, he tells stories to illustrate this. They call them parables. And uh, we see in Matthew 13, it says, then he told them many things in parables. And, and one of them here saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. He ends his little story with saying, no, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, you might get this. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And his reply might surprise you. His reply wasn't, well, because I want them to remember it, right? Object lessons are important. If you want to remember the lesson, you, you know, give them something, give them a visual, you know, relate it to something they understand. What he says is, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. He's saying, I'm, I'm speaking in, in code, basically. I'm telling a story that if they're paying attention, they'll get it. But if not, it's just going to kind of breeze right by. I'll explain it to you. And, and that's what he does. Then they say, well, explain that one to us. And he does. He explains. This is like the, the good word, the message of the kingdom that's being shared with people. And some people, they just don't pay attention or it doesn't sink in and, and the devil comes and just he snatches it away before it has a chance to make a difference in their life. Some people, they kind of superficially hear the message and think, oh, yeah, this is good news. But they don't let it take root because there's all those rocks in the soil, right? And so when difficulties arise, they fall away quickly and they, they abandon ship. Other people, he says, it's the, um, the weeds, you know, like the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, he says, that choke out the good news of the kingdom and don't let it bear fruit. But some people hear the message and accept it. They let it sink down deep. They spend time, they let it change, you know, what's going on in the deep parts of them and it takes root there and it produces fruit, an abundant crop. Oh, sorry. He says, I'm explaining this to you, but not to them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He quotes one of the prophets. And it's not that Jesus is it's not that it's impossible for people to get it. I mean, obviously, we've got the explanation that the disciples received and, and have been given to us. But they weren't always opaque. They weren't always things that, like, nobody could understand. In fact, uh, later on in Matthew's gospel, there's this moment he's, he's sharing some parables that are pretty pointed uh, against the religious leaders. And it says, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. He, like, for example, he tells a story about a father with two kids. Hey, I have two kids. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and he says to the one kid, like, hey, go and do, do some work out in the field. And he says, okay, I will. But then he changes his mind and he doesn't go do it. And he tells the other kid, hey, go do that work out in the field. And he says, no way. But then later he changes his mind and he goes and does it. Which one of those kids is the dad happy with? And they're all like, well, the, the one who did what he asked him. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he tells another story. Uh, that I don't have time to go into, but it's about tenants in a vineyard, and it's very pointed that helping them realize, like, oh, the, these people, the pe God's people, they had said yes, but then they weren't actually doing what he told them to do. And there are others, he points out, tax collectors, prostitutes, people that others looked down their noses at, who seemed at first to not be doing anything right, but, 
But they said, you know what, this, this is good. And they actually trusted Jesus and they followed Jesus and they, they put into practice what he said. And he says, they're entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you, you religious types. That's the part of Matthew's gospel that I have to pay special attention to, all right? As someone raised in a Christian home, as someone who's followed Jesus most of my life, as someone whose livelihood is standing up and teaching people uh, what the Bible says, I have to listen to what Jesus says to those religious leaders and say, okay, what do I need to hear? What's he saying that's aimed at me? Whenever Jesus is teaching, whether it's the crowds, his disciples, the religious leaders, whatever he's saying, we always need to listen be ready. Okay, Jesus, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to get from this? How do you want me to imagine life differently? Um, how do you want me to think of who I am and who I'm supposed to be and how the world works? Because Jesus shows up seeing the world very differently than everyone around him. And he wants us to see the world differently than the world around us. You know, he wants us to value the people that others would push aside. He wants us to, um, to not just keep everything for ourselves and look out for number one, but he wants us to look out for the people who are on the margins and to share what he's blessed us with. He doesn't want us to give in to, to worry and to be just consumed with, okay, what am I gonna, where am I going to live? What am I going to eat? How am I going to get everything I need? He wants us to understand that God knows us. We've got a heavenly father who knows our needs, and if we'll trust him, put him first, he'll provide for all our needs. There's one of the parables near the end of the book uh, where he he says uh, that when the Son of Man, which is way of referring to himself, uh, I got I to gotta do a little lead-in before this. When the, he says the king, and he's talking about himself. He says, when the time comes that he kind of setting up my kingdom, he says, I'm going to have all the nations of the earth, all the people gathered in front, and I'm going to separate people to the right and to the left, sheep on one side and goats on the other. You guys get to be the sheep. You're on my right. You guys got to be the goats. Sorry, you're on my left. Um, and he says, the Son of Man will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. It says a real similar thing to the, the goats on his left later. and says, I was hungry, and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing. I was sick, I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And both sides... Both the, the good guys and the bad guys, the sheep and the goats, both sides say, wait, when was this? I, I don't remember seeing you hungry and needing food. I don't remember you being sick and, and visiting you or not visiting you. When, when did this happen? And I said, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did or did not do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Again, he's holding up the importance of how we act toward our neighbors, toward the people around us. And he's raising it here to, like, ultimate importance. He says, this determines which side you sit on on the day of judgment and whether you get to come on in and enjoy the kingdom or whether you get cast out into the darkness. He says, it matters how you treat other people because how you treated them, Jesus says, that's, that's how you treated me. It's a little like that, uh, what was that show, Undercover Boss? Is that what it's called? I never did see. I think I saw, like, half an episode one time. Well, like the boss of some company like puts on a cheap disguise and applies to work at his own company and, and sees like how do employees really get treated, right? Is that how it works? If those of you who've watched it, am I getting it right? Yes. Okay, all right. So he's, he's the boss, undercover, okay. And, uh, and sometimes he sees like, oh, everything's great and man, this, this is a well-run ship. And, but a lot of times I think what they're highlighting is like, oh, they're not quite doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Or sometimes, and I only get this from commercials, uh, you know, sometimes they're, like, getting fired, you know, from their own company. Um, uh, and then, like, you know, the disguise comes off. Ha-ha, I'm the boss, you know. You're fired. No, I don't know, I don't know what he does after that. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch it. Um, but it's a little like that. That's, I can't help but think of that. It's like Jesus undercover in the guise of the needy among us, the neighbors beside us. And he's, again, he's trying to teach us. He's trying to help us to imagine the world a little differently than the people around us would have us imagine it. How are we treating the poor in our midst? How are we treating those in need? Uh, some of you might have seen on the way in, my apology, I meant to say this earlier. Uh, man, uh, we have tried really hard to be a church that cares for all of our neighbors, rich, poor, young, old, doesn't matter, right? Um, and that's looked lots of different ways. Um, 
We've heard lots of numerous people. We've got several of you right now in the room are currently homeless, are going through difficult things. And um, <clears throat> we try to make sure that we're a church where everyone is welcome, where you know, nobody's got to sit over in a certain section or any, you know, nothing, nothing goofy like that. And, um, you know, this last, we've for a long time participated in those shelters that, that work where churches will take a different night of the week and, and have guys sleeping on their floors on, on mats with pillows and all the rest. But um, we've done that for several years and participated in a women's shelter similar to that several years ago um, <clears throat> that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and this last winter, you know, we tried something we'd never done before where we just realized, man, it's cold and the city has no place for people who are homeless to go at night. You know, there, and there were like, record-breaking temperatures on their way, low temperatures, and we were worried about our neighbors freezing to death, and we got permission from the city to just be an overnight warming center and to let people come inside, and we, we had to staff it. We had to have people here, and every night for about 70 nights, we had between 10 and 18, I think was the most maybe we had one night, people sleeping on the floor in our church and uh, from like around January to 1st to middle of March, and we served just over 70 people during that time, uh, people who otherwise would have been just outside with no place to go. Um, and, uh, we, you know, as we're trying to find ways to love all of our neighbors and to serve Jesus in disguise, um, you know, we're learning some things. And I know for some of you that got real uncomfortable, you know. Um, so, like, we've, we've started to make some changes. We're not doing that now, currently, right? We don't have, the only people sleeping on our floors right now are people who are part of that shelter program or they're vetted and all the rest, but um, <clears throat> in partnership with New Creation Men's Center. Um, but uh, we did make a change a month or so ago where we realized, you know what, we can't just have people, like, hanging out in the lobby all Sunday morning because we've got kids' rooms that open right onto the lobby, and, and that's not exactly safe. And so we we'd started saying, hey, we'd love to have you join us for the service. Come on in. Uh, but we got to keep the lobby clear. Um, so I want to make sure you guys all knew that. Now, obviously, if you get a phone call and you got to, like, you know, step out for a minute or you got a crying baby and you got to step out for a minute or something, that's fine. You know, no one's going to, like, frown on that. Um, but we won't have people just kind of hanging out in the lobby all Sunday morning, except we typically have a lobby host that stays out there, somebody who just, just to make sure that, like, if someone comes in late and they need to know where things are, or if someone decides, hey, I'm tired, I'm just going to go out and sleep on the couch or something, that they can say, oh, sorry, no, we got to keep the lobby clear, but, you know, uh, somebody to address needs as they arise out there. I wanted to make sure you guys knew that, so if you see somebody out there, like, oh, hey, they're the lobby host, they're, they're making sure things are, are going all right, and to make sure all of you who are parents know that, like, oh, they're taking this seriously, they want to make sure that the, the kids are safe and all that kind of stuff, um, you might have noticed on your way in, uh, so, so we'd, we'd made those changes, and um, we still had a number of folks that, you know, didn't have a place to go, and they were sleeping on the benches out front, and, and, uh, and we told people, yeah, we're not going to kick you out of here, we're not going to make you leave, we're not going to call the cops on you or anything, as long as you, you know, don't leave a huge mess and all that, well, it got to the point where there were some people, some folks were being very respectful, and were very grateful for that, uh, it was a beautiful thing, some folks were not. Uh, some folks decided they, to use the alley as a toilet, and, uh, and so we had told them about a week ago, like, guys, that's got to stop. You can't do, I mean, that's illegal, for one thing, it's disrespectful, and the ladies who live next door over there and the ladies who live next door over here don't want to see people peeing in the alley, you know, uh, or peeing on either side of the building. And, um, and unfortunately, there were continued occasions of that, and so you might have noticed on the way in, we've got signs now saying no loitering, like in the evenings, like people can't sleep overnight. So right now, uh, we don't have people sleeping out front. But this is still a very real need in our community. I mean, I was asking some of you this morning, like, so where'd you stay last night? And are you safe? And, and uh, people are finding places to go, but not really, like a park, the woods, you know, I mean, it's, there are places, but they're not great. And that's one reason I'm very grateful. Uh, Mitch Peters over here, if you guys don't know Mitch, can you just, uh, Mitch over here in, in the corner, he, uh, he's working on getting a new shelter built here in town. Um, but it's a million plus, I forget what the budget was, project, and the city is helping in some ways, uh, but it's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of community participation, and so if you want to help with that in some way, I'm sure Mitch would be happy to talk with you. Um, I think it's still supposed to break ground later this summer and, and be available in the spring, open up, but um, it's a very real need. And uh, please be praying, please be working, please join us in doing whatever we can to serve all of our neighbors to make sure that we are putting into practice the things that Jesus teaches us. Which, at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, 
Jesus mentions that again. He's, he's died on the cross. He's risen again. He's about to ascend into heaven. And first he gathers, gathers, gathers with his disciples and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, we mentioned that earlier. He's got authority. And now he's saying, look, all authority in heaven and on earth, it's all mine. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He doesn't just want them to learn to be able to recite it. He wants us to obey, to put it into practice. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's how Matthew wraps it up. That's what's handed to us. Not only do we need to listen and put it into practice, but we have the opportunity to help others then put it into practice. Um, so I hope that you'll find yourself doing that, that you'll find ways to do that, that uh, there are some groups that meet together here at the church, some on Wednesday night for our Bible discussion group, some on other nights of the week. Uh, there are different groups that come together to read scripture together, to talk about what it means and how do I put this into practice, to actually encourage each other toward that. If you'd like to be part of a group and you're not already, let us know so we can help plug you into one. Um, but I'm out of time. Okay, this is Jesus, the teacher, who uh, didn't just teach, but put it into practice himself. And we're going to celebrate that here with the celebration of communion. Uh, but first, if you would join me in prayer. God, thank you that out of love for us, you didn't leave us just to wander through life, stumbling along, you know, figuring out what we can as we go. Instead, you you have spoken to us through the prophets. You have, you have come down to have a relationship with your people. And in Jesus, you come down yourself, the, the author, with authority to help us to, to put this into practice, to live a life you created us to live, to find a way to imagine ourselves and the people around us, to picture life differently. We pray that you will change us from the inside out, change the way we think, change the way we look at people, change the, uh, the attitudes, inclinations of our hearts so that we can, in fact, be a people who reflect your grace and your love, who look like children of our Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us enough to send your Son, Jesus. Today, we celebrate that gift with this sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Jesus, we remember that you gave your life for us on that cross, your body broken, your blood spilled to, to make possible this new relationship between us and the God who made us so that sin and death and the devil could be defeated by your death and resurrection so that today we can be set free of those things that have trapped us and held us back those those sins those temptations that have just been like shackles around our wrists and ankles jesus you died and rose again to set us free so help us to live in that freedom. God, today we offer you ourselves, admitting our need of your mercy and grace, the ways we have not loved you with all that we are, and ways that we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Maybe that's what's been in our hearts and minds today, God. We've been thinking of some people around us and ways that we have not loved them as you would have us love them. Some neighbors, some classmates, some family, some friends. Forgive us, God change us. Fill us today with the Spirit of Christ so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your sons and daughters, your hands, your feet, continuing the work of Christ here in this world. We are so grateful for the love you've shown us in your son Jesus. We celebrate it today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. We've got some, the regular bread is like little cut-up pieces of pita bread, or we've got some little round gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little cups if you'd prefer one of those. And if you can't make your way forward but you still want to participate, I think we have those cups on most of the tables. And as we sing, you can just peel those back and get to the bread and eat it, peel it back, get to the juice. Uh, but again, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus. So let's celebrate uh, his amazing love he's shown us in Jesus Christ.
thank you, God, once again, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the spirit of Christ, we pray. Teach us and help us to have hearts and minds open to learn from you so that we might live in this world as children of our heavenly Father, as the body of Christ, sharing with others the same grace that you've given to us. You are so good to us, God, and we are so grateful. Oh, and thank you as well for the, uh, the food that we're about to enjoy back here and for those who prepared it for us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, go in peace. <laughs>